0: We're out of the tunnel, we're out of the floor It's the second half of Sports Talk Now joining me, Scott Beatty, is Evan Kahn Headed to 6, Mike DeCourcy from Big Ten Network And the Sporting News will chat up some hoops with us coming up hope you're doing well if you got anything on your mind you can weigh in on our castle heating and cooling text line which is 217-351-5357 it's super bowl parade day this Chiefs celebrating it and uh, pat mahomes took the stage and said i think this is about it i'm not sure that we can win anymore we had a good run see you later
1: everybody doubted him nobody thought that the chiefs could ever win a Super Bowl with the deficit of talent and both the coaching staff and the roster. The whole
0: world was against them.
1: Proved, proved everybody wrong. Nobody gave them a shot. Not a chance.
0: <laughs> the things football players will believe.
1: Whatever it takes.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you, they believe it and it motivates them, that's fine. But, boy, they proved all those Jabronis wrong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's just super corny. But the Mahomes know all about that.
0: You went to the Cubs World Series Parade. I uh, did. Celebration. And it was... Largest
1: human gathering. Yeah. And it was... North America. I think you
0: tipped the scales. I mean, it wasn't... I think at some point, you know, you have to break the record. And I think you clinched it. I think they had the guy with the little clicker to count millions. We
1: were there early enough. That's so maybe not. That's when I was working midnights and I... Think I slept about three hours, and then we got up and we we went to to Chicago. So I might have been a little early a, as a part of that, but um, yeah, involved. I
0: and, and uh, I I just saw images of Pat Mahomes and Jason Kelsey. I didn't Le, actually listen.
1: A Little inebriated. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: appears that way. Uh, I you know I cannot confirm, uh, but it seemed like they'd been partying. <laughs> Seemed like, you know, Pat Mahomes had ski goggles on uh, sideways. <laughs> I, I, I Jason don't, Kelsey had a necklace of a beer can.
1: Why is it always the football guys? I don't know if they don't know how to celebrate after the win in that it, it all comes full circle at the parade and you start chucking Lombardi trophies across the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico and <laughs> like almost almost following, falling off of tour buses in Kansas City. I mean, yeah. just not yeah. good looks, guys.
0: Yeah anyway uh <laughs> congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs, and there's a few uh Kansas City fans in this neck of the woods, and I know uh they're they're enjoying it, so congratulations to the Chiefs. I know there's some weirdly strong number of Philadelphia fans that I wouldn't ex- wouldn't have expected it kind of came out of the hmm. woodwork around here this the Super Bowl came up but, that's how it works so yeah. you know that I've always been <laughs> no no, I'm talking about a couple of people that I didn't know they always were, but they were. Hmm. Just, just you know, people in my life, and so mm-hmm. that, I know they were disappointed on a on a penalty, but I think we just got to move on mm-hmm. with that. It, it, I don't know. Chris Collinsworth tweeted, "We didn't even think there was a controversy until we noticed there was." A, sometimes you just got to talk about something, and that's what everyone wanted to focus in on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night, uh, we we certainly. Uh, you know, got a lot of it out of our system last night on the post-game show, but it's it's worth mentioning that Illinois did not have a good showing against Penn State. Well, 24 hours later, is that really a true statement? Because offensively, they did a lot of good things. Defensively, they didn't do good things. But the, I don't think... The Penn State postgame show was talking about how poor Illinois' defense was. They were talking about how incredible mm-hmm. Jalen Pickett was.
1: And, and with the kind of half-and-half half performance, and, and although the offense at, at times also wasn't a positive, I, I, I think that would be right in saying it wasn't the the greatest performance for the Illini. But I'll still contend, it as we did last week after Iowa and last night on the postgame show, it's not like it overly like expose something of the Illini other than Jalen Pickett's still good. It's still a young team that struggles to communicate on defense on the road and be ready to play every single game. But then again, how many of you show up Monday through Friday ready to work hard eight hours a day? I can't imagine that most of you do that. So it's it's understandable. Hey, I show
0: up for seven and a half. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's frustrating because people want to beat Penn State, and I, I think I'm in the middle of you and Lauren, and that Jalen Pickett hit some shots. The line I also left him open for some shots and. and at the end of the day, Illinois doesn't have the offense to keep up with a team that they're not stopping on the defensive end. No,
0: but most nights, 1.2 points per possession gets you a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this felt a different game, different different game, but it felt like Iowa where it was like, yeah, Illinois was scoring. Iowa was
1: scoring also. Yeah, not enough not and, enough stops.
0: But Penn State just has had a way this year of kind of just breaking your spirit.
1: Especially up there at the Bryce Jordan Center. I mean, they've knocked off a couple, three top 25 teams there at home, most notably Indiana, by nearly 20. So it's not an easy place to play. It's where they like to shoot, and it's a team that shoots it really well. And they found it once again last night up there at Penn State. So they got a few days now to prepare
0: for Indiana on Saturday morning, and it's an 11 a.m. tip-off. Illinois has not lost two consecutive games all year long. They have not. I really don't know how they're going to stop Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, they'll probably try something different, but I don't know if they will stop him.
1: Uh, Can't stop Trace Jackson Davis. Uh, Right. He's basically starts with a, a 15 and 10 line in almost every single game and especially uh, against the line eye who he beat up the last time but like the first matchup with Penn State I imagine things will look different on Saturday at Indiana but I don't know if the result will be much different
0: hey spring training is here
1: it is it I jumped is. the gun a little bit on Monday but that's okay
0: well but different teams have different schedules true yeah so we've got player uh, pitchers and catchers reporting, and now you know soon you'll get position players, and you've got the individual player dramas going on, and then you've got the big talking points, which is about rule changes. I don't know if you knew, but there's going to be some rule changes this year for baseball and it may impact the game. <laughs> uh, when it's all said and done, the game is going to go faster. It's just it's going to get completed quicker. It based on the data you have from minor league baseball with this pitch clock and all that. So. I guess that's a good thing. Um, I w- it it did it was getting a little ridiculously long compared to the days when you. I mean, there was a point where in time where you could get nine innings done in two hours. So I think we p- the pendulum probably is coming back the right way. Feels to me, uh, uh, you know, it's not it's not my favorite to put an artificial way of getting the game to go faster with with a clock, but I can live with it. Uh, and we'll just see about this whole shift thing. I just I, I, again, I again, it's gonna create more action, they say we shall see, but it was you know as soon as you do something, teams will learn how to counter mm-hmm. and go some and do a different way. and so now there's there's chatter out there that uh you know your third baseman's just gonna run into left field <laughs> when you have a left handed pull hitter and and you're gonna you're gonna drop an outfielder into short right. <laughs> <laughs> so the, you're essentially still saying go ahead and hit the opposite way we'd rather you get on first base mm-hmm. with a single than hit with power to your pull side we will see how this all works out and i don't know if we're really going to see how it all works out in spring training Does mm. everybody want to show their cards and what they're trying to do
1: as far as the strategy no we we i can't imagine we'll see a whole lot of that if anything you'll see more quote unquote traditional baseball that you've seen for a hundred years in spring training, guys getting used to being back at their regular positions, no matter if a guy only hits the ball to the right side of the infield, we're we're gonna put guys back on, on the left side and it'll, you know, benefit some maybe. It'll hurt some maybe. I don't know. It's it's all wait and see. I'm not particularly convinced on anything except for an automatic strike zone which we can't seem <laughs> to get into place which is the most obvious need in major league baseball but you know with, with blackout restrictions and rsn's going bankrupt i don't even know if people are gonna be able to watch the games so does it even matter what rule changes you put in place um i don't know baseball is baseball is not in a good spot right now that's that's just all I feel. I was
0: asked the question, "How would you market baseball?" I said, "I would give people access to the game. Mm-hmm. Stop restricting your access." Um, I I have YouTube TV, and now I can't watch can't MLB even, Network. No, no, you know, and I and I don't even know the ins and outs of that side. I mean, I, right. maybe maybe YouTube TV is the evil one here, and maybe MLB Network's the victim. <laughs> Or, or, or vice versa, but it's just like, guys, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because want access.
1: You, you don't hear about those problems with the NFL network. You don't hear about it with NBA TV. Um, I don't follow NHL, but that doesn't seem to be a, as much of a gripe. It's only baseball where you can't find your games and you can't find information on the sport because the mothership doesn't talk about it.
0: Yeah, or or uh, you know your team is getting some national exposure on the mothership or whatever, but it's blacked out in this area, mm-hmm. and I can't watch it.
1: And that was supposedly, I, I can't remember the exact quote I saw from Rob Manfred today, but he's also doing his preseason interviews, as most front offices are, and he, he says, again, that the, the blackouts and getting eyes on, on the game is the number one concern for Major League Baseball, what they're going to do about fixing it, I don't know.
0: Well, they'll they'll create a, a solution that will be activated in five to ten years, <laughs> just like with all these rule changes we're seeing now.
1: Most it's likely, just... they f- they finally lumped in minor league baseball TV with MLB TV. I, that that just seems like a no brainer for forever, but that that's finally in. So, fifteen years behind. Maybe we'll we'll find it about the time I'm in my mid forties.
0: This crazy Big Ten basketball season, really on both sides, but particularly the men's side, is our topic when we come back with Mike DeCourcy from the Big Ten Network. We'll chat some hoops right
1: after this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
0: Hey Illini family, it's Illinois women's basketball coach Shauna Green. We'll see you Sunday at the State Farm Center. Listen in on News Talk 1493.9 FM. Only three games left for Illinois, two at home. And the last two chances to see them are this Sunday when they honor Teresa Grentz against Penn State, and they got one more to against Nebraska. I'm off tomorrow on a travel day with Illinois baseball, getting ready for the season opener on Friday out in North Carolina, take on Youngstown State before another, another one with Youngstown State and two with Wake Forest. So we will. Uh, give you a little preview on that before it's all said and done But right now we are joined on the phone by our friend mike de covers big 10 hoops for big 10 network and college basketball in general with and more with the sporting news and he's good enough to be with us here on the line hey mike welcome back to the show
2: good afternoon how are you guys
0: N- no complaints here on a pretty mild and sunny day so we will take it and this uh big 10 season well, parody has been the word uh, around it. Is it a? I want to ask you this: Does it feel like a different kind of parody because we often throw that word around on the Big Ten Conference? But I, I'm I'm struggling to find a ton of separation between a whole bunch of teams. And well, North uh, Nebraska won, you know, last night. So you know, just try to figure this thing out.
2: Yeah, I don't think that this is like. The last two seasons, the last three seasons, uh, the third of which uh, in 2020 we didn't have a tournament, but those were seasons in which there was really high quality, as well as strength and depth. Uh, For instance, in 2010, uh, you had uh, some terrific teams at the top with Michigan State uh, and Maryland that were going to get reasonably high seeds, probably not ones. But then in 2021, of course, the Illini and Michigan were two of the number one seeds, and Ohio State was a two, and Purdue was a three, I believe. And I don't think we'll see that kind of uh, those high seeds for the teams that the league does get into the tournament. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see the league get nine again or at minimum eight. Those are those are remarkable numbers, and they are reflected in the standings that show so many teams relatively bunched together with Purdue a significant Uh, a significant stretch above both Northwestern and Indiana.
0: Yeah, and then two through about 13 is not really settled too much. Um, And and, even last night, of course, Illinois got whooped by by Penn State, which in the two games that Illinois faced them, it looks like the Nittany Lions should be at the top of the standings with the way they've played Illinois, but yet they just had a four-game losing streak. Uh, Jalen Pickett, by the way, is... Is a dude, and I, we're a little bit uh, wondering why he's been kind of buried in the college ranks so long because he he can just do what he wants.
2: Yeah, I think that there were some there were some um, opportunities that they had recently, wherein I don't think they relied on him enough, and we saw what could happen when they relied on him enough uh, last night. Uh, scores forty plus, I think the number final number was forty four. Uh, there, there were games toward that they were in that were one or two possession games where he wasn't getting the ball to make the decision late, later on in the game when, when the game was being decided, when it was being determined whether or not Penn State would come back. And I think the the Wednesday home game a week ago against Wisconsin was a perfect example of that. It, it, there were just too many possessions in the final five minutes and in overtime where the ball didn't belong to him. And so they wind up taking a loss there. Then they played really well at Maryland. But just Maryland at home, it's just a tough, tough game to win. And then, of course, coming back home, I think they felt really good about where they were. They just needed to, like I said, rely on their best players more often.
0: Talking with Mike DiCorsi from the Big Ten Network.
1: Hey, Mike, this is Evan. And after last night, a little bit of mixed results, but more thinking back to you know Sunday and throughout the season – seems like it's hard to win on the road in the Big Ten. It's always been hard to win on the road in the Big Ten, but also across the country we're seeing teams go into Texas Tech, who's at the bottom of the Big 12,
2: and lose there.
1: Is it just perception, or might it be harder to win on the road this season for some teams?
2: Well, I think it's harder to win in the good leagues. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's – I mean, it's not hard for, say, Pitt to go to Florida State and get a win. It shouldn't be. Or uh, Duke to go on the road to Florida State or to Boston College. I know Duke Duke had to they had to work to do that, but you're going to have to work to win on the road against any qual any capable team, and that's always the way it's been. But still, you you end up getting the result as long as you don't um, foul it up. Mm. Uh, so I I don't think it's harder to win on the road in all of the leagues if you're a quality team, but in the Big Ten and the Big Twelve in particular. Where there is significant depth, and and how do you measure that? Well, just look at just look at their out of conference records, uh, which in the Big Ten's case, excuse me, the Big Twelves case is astronomical, and the Big Ten's case is excellent. Uh, and then you compare it to say the Atlantic Coast Conference, and and you can see there's just not strength there. Or you can compare it to the SEC, which has some excellent teams, several, but its bottom is poor really poor so uh, I think that that's the difference is that you when you go on the road against anybody you're going to have to work and when you go on the road against a quality team it's probably going to be very difficult for you to get uh, out of there with a win
1: yeah and, and also the top conferences the power conferences seem to to have that depth and they're they're eating up some of those mid major bids you know the the classic one big bid league seems to be the trend. Do we blame the
2: portal for that? I think probably that's a big part of it yeah i, I think also that the uh I think to an extent the um the next level leagues in particular uh, the Atlantic ten, have overexpanded. Mm. Did they really need uh, Loyola? Loyola' is a wonderful school. Uh, and a a wonderful program, but did they need Loyola? Did they need Davidson a decade ago? How long? was Davidson going to sustain, with a 1,500-person student body, sustain Atlantic 10-level basketball after Bob McKillop retired? What were the odds of that? Uh, Bob is one of the great coaches of all time, so if you happen to hire one of the great coaches of all time, then Davidson could sustain it. Uh, What are the odds? And I think that that's part of the reason why you're seeing those leagues Dip because if if the bottom of your league is poor, then your wins don't mean as much, and so that's the problem that they have. And uh, you know, the west, the uh, Mountain West, um, they're analytically some really strong teams, but if you look, you know, if you peel back a layer or two, they just haven't done that much. Uh, so we'll see how much the fact that they have really good net rankings plays into whether they get into the tournament. I, I don't see much quality there. I th- certainly think San Diego State is a very good basketball team. I think Nevada's a capable team. But a lot of their teams are just not that strong. And uh, I, I will see how many bids they get. But beyond that, uh, there's just not enough quality to to, uh, to to sustain an extra bid in most of those places. Now, I will say, Florida Atlantic, if Florida-Atlantic continues to win at the rate they've been winning, which is basically every game but one in their league, uh, if they continue to do that into their tournament and then avoid a really early loss like in the quarterfinals, then there's no reason why they shouldn't be in the field. They, they'll have earned a bid, and we'll see whether or not the committee does the right thing if that scenario develops.
0: Mike DeCourcy is with us uh, tonight. There's a big one, Indiana and Northwestern, and I don't know that anyone predicted it would be a <laughs> a big one, but it is very significant ball game for the standings and seed stakes and and, and all that. So, um Northwestern kind of snuck up on us. And and what do you make of the job that Chris Collins has done?
2: Well, I talked about this uh a couple of weeks ago. My partner Rafael Davis tweeted out that that Purdue could have the Big Ten player of the year, the Big Ten coach of the year, and the Big Ten freshman of the year. And I said, you know, on Twitter, I said, hold on a second here. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, and so then we carried, we stopped it right there. We carried it over to a discussion that we had on Big Ten basketball and beyond on Sunday night. Uh, and we had a lot of fun with the conversation. And I I really believed then that Chris was the the best choice for coach of the year in the conference. And that was of course, before a two-game losing streak that followed directly after it as if trying to make me look bad, but then they come back and they win two in a row, and one of those two happens to be Purdue when they arrive ranked number one. So I think that when you look at the fact that they were picked 13th in a 14-team league, that they lost two starters or two regulars, Ryan Young to Duke, not, you know, not to, uh, to some low major, but to Duke, and then Pete Nance to North Carolina, again, not some nobody school, but North Carolina. And without those two guys, they are second place for the moment, at least in the big 10. I just, I think that that's an amazing performance. He's doing it under a lot of pressure, knowing that every writer uh, other than me, who I refuse to write a hot seat article, but every writer who does those put him in there. Uh, they There weren't any hot seat columns out there this, this past off season that didn't have Chris's name mentioned, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure of that. So to go through all of that and put this team on the floor, I think it's an astonishing achievement.
0: Well, I, I, think, I think I'm seeing your maybe your philosophy on this, but it actually w- what we're talking about here is relevant to Illinois women's basketball, and I don't know how much you follow the women's side of things. I've been but... paying
2: very much attention to how, to, to, and with great pleasure to uh, the wonderful season the, uh, the Illini are having in women's basketball.
0: Well, and and Shauna Green today was just named onto the, the watch list for, for Coach of the Year. Well-deserved. So is Terry Morin at Indiana. Well-deserved. I mean, they're, they may be the number two team in the country and, and may make it into the Final Four. And I wouldn't have a problem if either one of them won an award like that. But Shauna Green goes from a team that's been in the basement for several years to possibly getting into the top four in the league and you know, getting the double bye. Well, Terry Morin's also assembled um, an elite basketball. So, I mean, where, where does a vote go for you for a Coach of the Year consideration?
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think that what has happened with the, the women at Illinois is astonishing. And it's, to be able to do that in a single year, I think, uh, is, is really hard for me to not vote for that if I had a vote and I, and I will confess to, although I get to see the highlights on our show and occasionally get to catch a game because of the obligations that I have with men's basketball, I don't get an opportunity to see a ton.
0: Right. And it's just more about your philosophy about who's what makes for a coach of the year, the, the turnaround story or the win a
2: championship. Well, for me, for me, honestly, some of it goes into obstacles like uh, Indiana, uh, Mike Woodson having had to re- replace his point guard, uh, uh, having lost Ray Thompson for multiple games and still get them directed back into the picture. I think that's something that would be considered, that, that sort of p- person. But it, when, when it's a complete unexpected turnaround, like we've seen with the Illinois women and like we've seen with the Northwestern men, it's very, it's, it's hard for me to resist that. A lot of people are, you know, are pointing out that, for instance, that Matt Painter lost, uh, you know, four starters or three starters, whatever it was. And for me, it's like, yeah, he had to. He had too many guys. I mean, yeah, you'd like to have had Jaden Ivy for another year, but you don't really miss the other guys because you needed to 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 have some guys removed. You just, you have, one of the reasons they didn't excel at the level they were capable of last year was they had too many players. It's hard to run a team like that. I think Matt would tell you that. So that kind of helped him. Now, on the other hand, he's doing it with two freshman guards, and one of them was the 193rd or 196th rated player in his class, and he's one of the two or three best point guards in the Big Ten. So there are reasons for all of them, and I can't discount a vote for Matt. He's tremendous. And I can't discount a vote for Mike Woodson, having, you know really doing a great job under difficult circumstances. But I think that what's happened at Northwestern is un- uncommon enough that that's, if it continues on the right track, then that's where my vote would go. And I, I say the same about the Illinois women. I think that it's harder to turn around a women's basketball program in some ways. Uh, and in that, in that sort of immediacy, I think, it, I think it might be a little harder. And they have pulled it off. They've done a beautiful job and and it's what made the uh the the uh, Big 10 women's basketball season so much more entertaining because yep. there are, there's one more really good team to to be a factor.
0: Yep, indeed. Talking with Mike DeCorsi here.
1: Mike, uh, you don't have to write an article on this, but do you think that Juwan Howard's in a little trouble up at Michigan with the 500 season they've put together?
2: <laughs> no, no, not no. at all. No. Uh I think I mean don't forget, we're coming off uh a season where uh, we're, not, we're not that far away from be- him being national coach of the year mm-hmm. and then coming off a season where they made the Sweet 16. I, I think that losing Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston was relatively unexpected. Neither of them had the kind of season last year that suggested that they were NBA first-round picks, and neither was, but they went anyway. And losing that much ability in that sudden a, a period of time when you really didn't know that that was likely to happen, I think that's been difficult for them. And then losing the player that they had projected to be their starting point guard, to injury back in December, I think it was. So you're talking about now we're, you know, we're two months without them having their, the guy that they had brought in to be their starting point guard. I think Doug McDaniels had some nice moments at times, but I think he's showing you that he's probably not ready to be uh, a first division Big Ten point guard so i i don't i don't think that uh, that there's great concern at michigan they just got to get more good players and get the one, good players that they have uh, uh to the end of the season and so they'll be that much more experienced when they start next season
1: yeah that makes sense and, and as things are jumbled up putting you on the spot again we think everybody kind of has purdue penciled into that number one spot in the big 10 who are your other three top four teams in the who? big 10 trying to get that you. double buy? You
2: asked the tough questions, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because look at it, okay? It's Indiana Northwestern playing tonight, so one of them is going to come out with six losses. And so we already have one, two, three, four teams with six <laughs> losses, and then two teams with seven. So that's down to Michigan. We're looking at, it's like the eighth or ninth team. Um, it, it's, it's really hard to project, but I mm-hmm. think that we'll see Indiana get into the, the top four for sure. Uh, I, I think they're, they're, they're playing so well right now. And then it's really hard to project. I mean, I would have said Illinois before last night. Um, I, I can't get a handle on these guys. I would imagine that uh, Brad Underwood has a bit more of a handle on them than me, but I'm sure not as much a grip on this team as he did, say, a year ago or two years ago. They're, this one's a hard team to predict who's going to be good on a given night. Uh, and, and so – that, it's hard for me to say what they'll do. I, Northwestern, I would put up there in terms of ability and performance, but their schedule is brutal. I mean, tonight's not easy, but at least it's at home, and they've got Iowa, and they, I mean, they just don't have any easy. And there are no easy games, but they don't have any uh, really undifficult games. If that's a, that's not a word, not difficult <laughs> games. Um, they don't have everything is brutal, uh, and so I don't know if they can do it. So it's a it's really hard to pin that down. You almost have to have all all six to 18 schedules in front of you and pick through it that way.
0: Well, Mike, uh, the other thing that is the, the constant thread and, you know, didn't ask you on a debate, the merits of NIL and transfer portals and all that, but just that they are the realities. Are you getting a sense that coaches are more stressed through this all? That they're uh, they you know coaches love control but they they just don't know what's coming next.
2: No, they don't. But it it also has it's rescued coaches too. I mean, I was mentioning Pitt before. I obviously know the program well because I I grew up there and I covered Pitt for a while. And they would you know they would be in the bottom third of the of the ACC again if they didn't have the transfer portal and the ability to bring in players. Uh, Xavier brought in a point guard that's been the difference between them contending for the Big East title and them maybe fighting to get one of the last NCAA tournament berths. So there are pluses and minuses to this, but I think the one thing that it's forced them all to do is to decide who on their roster is a must-keep. And in some cases, it might be everybody. But who on their roster is a must-keep and work to make sure that those people are happy? You can't just, you know, it, with the penalty being gone or the, I, I never thought it was a real true penalty, but the price you had to pay the, the year of uh, sitting out from competition, if, with that gone, um, guys aren't reluctant to transfer anymore. So you have to make sure that they're happy in your program, happy with their role, uh, or understanding that it's not this role you have now is going to be better next year because this guy's leaving, and you have to make sure that those people are happy all the time, and you know that's not a bad thing i mean that's it's that can be a really good thing. Coaches have to start coaching their their players like their people <laughs> uh, those who weren't already i mean the best already were, but I think now everybody has to, or else they risk losing them.
0: Mike, this is always a treat when we get to talk with you, and uh, this is this is going to be an interesting stretch run here. Then over the next few weeks before we get into uh, the tournament, I hope we can check in with you at least one more time before this is all said and done.
2: We'll try to get that done.
0: Appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Enjoy your evening. Enjoy Indiana and Northwestern. Thanks, guys. All right, Mike DeCorsi, Big Ten Network. Always good to have his input on our airwaves. We really appreciate it, and we really appreciate you being with us. We continue after
1: this. You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
2: It's Fighting Illini Basketball at Indiana coming up on Saturday, 11 o'clock tip, 9 o'clock Illini Game Day, Saturday morning.
0: Fun chatting with Mike DeCoursey. Appreciate his time. And the official wording here is Shauna Green named to the watch list of the 2023 Werner Ladder Naismith Women's Coach of the Year. So thanks to Werner Ladder for, for helping. sponsoring the Naismith Coach <laughs> of the Year. Coaches help help Illinois climb the ladder. Uh, but, yes, also Terry Morin from Indiana is on that list, so is uh, – Ohio State's coach Mm -hmm. and uh, one one more that I oh uh,
1: Iowa's coach Lisa Bluter so So for the top fifteen as they are in the AP poll. You know, uh, um, all these
0: awards and I, I'm not trying to manufacture controversy. It's just there's not a rubric. It's Mm -hmm. not. I mean, again, why couldn't the why on the men's side why couldn't Matt Painter be Mm -hmm. coach of the year?
1: awards are, are so subjective that's why we yeah. don't strive for awards we strive for championships
0: yes and uh let let the, let the rest of the results come illinois golf on the men's side off to a nice start for the season of tommy cool had a career best runner up finish in the hal williams collegiate fifth year senior selected as big 10 golfer of the week turned in a round of 68 then a 70 and then a 65 at Magnolia Grove Golf Club's Crossings course in Mobile, Alabama. That would be a 10 under for the weekend.
1: Not too shabby.
0: That, my friends, is a pro golfer in the making.
1: Him, him and Adrian are, are going to carry that squad, but they got a lot of veterans back. Yeah.
0: Number five, Mike, I can hear Mike Small right now. Well, this is just the standard. This is the standard <laughs> we set. We want to play to our standards. And then championships and wins come with that. Golf. Play school. to our standards. Well, that's for the first time. In a long time, you'll get a chance to see Illinois men's golf play here. That's right. And that's coming in April. I'll be really interested to see how that, A, how they do it and how they make it accessible for fans and mm-hmm. then who wants to turn out and, and see it. I I can't even remember when the date is and if I can be there, but I, I'd be really interested to go see it.
1: I wonder what the spectators are like for golf events because... Are there rules? See-
0: are there going to be rules like no phones?
1: I don't know. Like, The places that they have their you know meets and stuff not typically like in college towns, so I don't know who you would draw, whether it's the locals who are mad that you're taking up their course time or (laughs) you know, just some some devoted alumni, but I think people will come out for it. Great course over there and we know how much people love Illinois. You ever heard
0: golf on the radio? No. Like I've caught some Westwood one, they'll Uh do like the US Open. Mm -hmm. It's actually not bad. I mean, you, you got some. Okay. Evan Kahn is looking, uh, measuring up a putt right now. <laughs> He's got about 17 feet. There is a slight break to the left. <laughs> if he can sink this, it's for Birdie and he'll stay with that. that, that. And the ball is on its way and it's moving to the left and it just lips out. Oh, <laughs> that'll be a three inch tap in for parts. Tough one there for Evan Kahn. Now let's go to hole number. Of they <laughs> just toss it around.
1: The only difference is with most sports everything's laid out the exact same for every game right you know yeah. he's standing at the 50 yard line you can you can envision that whereas you know 250 yards from the pin what does that mean or is there a forest in front of him is he <laughs> yeah. is he and got all all green in front of him
0: <laughs> yeah. did i did i mention the army of dwarves that are uh, <laughs> that are threatening to take his family if he doesn't <laughs> Did I I mention the lava river between (laughs) him? I forgot to tell you. uh, Unique to the course here. (laughs) Yeah, with some unique traps. (laughs) All right, final segment in a moment here on our Wednesday.
1: You're listening to Sports Talk on DWS.
0: It's Illinois women's basketball as they honor Teresa Grants. It's at 2 o'clock against Penn State at State Farm Center. Mike Kuhn has all the action coming up on Sunday. mentioned at last hour that Terrence Jamison of Illinois football is promoted to co-defensive coordinator. That's not assistant to the defensive coordinator. <laughs> That's co-defensive <laughs> coordinator and defensive line coach which he has been excelling at for the last few years. Brett Bielma says his ability to coach our defensive front in combination with his abilities in player development and recruiting are at a very high level. He will work with closely with Aaron Henry and our defensive staff to put us in a position who have success daily, they don't need to have success daily. They need to have success once a week. That's all. In
1: in theory, yeah.
0: I'm just kidding. I know what I you mean. Was, I, yeah. like, yeah, I, don't, I don't care what you do the other six days. <laughs> but
1: the, the staff is complete. Jamison was already here, and we had heard this when Aaron Henry was unofficially promoted a, a, a few weeks ago, but this week also getting the, the special teams and tight ends coordinator in place and all of the shuffling that began what that it's been a long six weeks since ryan walters went to purdue but uh yeah everything's now in place
0: yep we got a spring game coming up in april it'll be on a thursday night and uh away we go into another football season it's been a little actually outside of these coaching announcements has been kind of quiet around football and uh maybe that's because we're all just zoomed in on basketball
1: Yeah, the transfer portal window kind of came and went. I mean, players left, players came in, but nothing really. The the move, the the headlines. It's mostly just following Devin Witherspoon as his name just rises up everybody's draft boards. The Athletic had their big board out uh, updated yesterday. He's number fifteen on that one. So
0: a lot of boards that think the Colts are going to be picking number one.
1: It's it's kind of all over the place with. What Jim Ursay said yesterday, as I said this morning, he's the worst poker player of all time. He even tweeted out how he's been working with Bears since like the 60s or for 60 years yeah, or something. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, I think it was a picture of him at the Lincoln Park Zoo.
1: After saying he really likes that quarterback from Alabama who we know is going number one overall. So he's <laughs> he's showing his hand and, and price ho- just went up. Hopefully Ryan Pace <laughs> is like, OK, throw in another pick, another
0: pick, another pick. <laughs> another pick. That doesn't take an expert poker player to play against that <laughs> poker player. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So you got a Friday starter. Yes, Illinois baseball officially announced its starting rotation for the weekend, which includes Riley Gowans on a Friday against Youngstown State. Now, you got two games this weekend against Wake Forest. Don't you want to save your uh, one of your best starters for better team and no disrespect to Youngstown State I get it just you got you if you got a Friday guy you go you you put him on Friday Mm -hmm. and you got a Saturday guy you put him on Saturday old TBD is on Sunday and I think that's probably you know just depends on who has to get
1: used Mm. because in the the first two days yeah the doubleheader on on Saturday changes things but if Gowans who was in the weekend rotation last year and he's back for this year kind of seems like the guy that you'd slide right that in on Friday.
0: I could see. I mean, he's 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 a leader. He's got a leader personality. Jack Crowder is, I mean, they're both the most projectable mm-hmm. uh, draft-eligible guys. Uh, and the, they're the guys you need to be the dudes this year. That is, is what, that is what is really fun about college baseball, is that every year there's guys that, eh, didn't do so hot last year or just didn't play much or pitch much, and then they become a thing mm-hmm. because – it's about growth and development, and that makes it really fun. It's different than the pro levels in that way. You see growth and development at the pros, but uh, every year there's there's surprises, and so I'm looking forward to it. Kicks be- off
1: Friday, yeah. Enjoy appreci- the
0: trip, yeah. Appreciate you, man, in the station uh, tomorrow and Friday, and mm-hmm. we'll be on the airwaves as long as it doesn't rain on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign Urbana. Thanks to our guests. Thanks to Evan talk to you tomorrow.
2: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
0: It's now safe to be in the evacuation area. That black smoke
2: indicates that there was incomplete combustion. Look, I I think that I would be drinking the bottled water. The EPA is uh, closely monitoring the situation. They were reporting rashes and they were scared. Bloomberg Sound